Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one. We're live. everyone and welcome to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rasita and Robert. I'm Rasita, I'm your host and I'm joined by my co-host and brother in the martial arts, Chifu Robert Deal. Chifu Bob, how you doing today? Hey, I'm you know what, I'm doing really well. Uh it's raining down here. Not not really really raining, but it's it's sprinkling. Uh oh, wow. So, yeah, which is unusual. Uh, I'm trying to check this at the same time, so it's like really weird. Uh, I've got it. I have to talk to you about last night, though. Okay. Eric Lee Day at the museum. Yes, Eric Lee at the Martial Arts History Museum Day. That's awesome. It was so cool. The people that were there were amazing. We had oh, Alan Woodman, uh, of course. Michael Matsuda was running it. Uh, Kathy Long. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock, James Wilson, Don Wilson, uh, oh God, Roger Lowe. He played he played a Klingon in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, oh, we had cool. a guy there, and I don't know what part he played because I didn't see too many episodes. But we mm-hmm. had a guy there that was in Car Fifty Four. Where are you? Oh, <laughs> with Fred Gwynn and Al yeah. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Oh that was my God, younger. Yeah, that was before the Munster days. That's awesome. Yeah, this was, this, this was in like 1958. Yeah. Yeah, those were, yeah, this, those were awesome. Oh, yeah, this guy, he looks great. And he said when he started the martial arts, uh, he was introduced to Benny or kids. Well, Benny called him, wanted him to, to he says, why don't you come down, Rod, why don't you come down and let's play. Mm-hmm. And I sw- kid you not, this is what he said. He said, I don't play, little boy. What? <laughs> said that to Benny Urquidez. Wow. And they got in the ring. Wow. And <laughs> after about a minute and a half, he said, you know, I didn't realize it was so late. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Okay, so he goes, I, I don't play. You know, and they get in the ring, and then he says, I gotta go? Oh, come on now. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at, when you're in the ring with Benny? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but we had Joyce, Joyce Lynn Lou there. We had, oh my God, Doug Wong, Carl Totten, and something we've never, 
ever done at one of these events before? A whole load of us. I mean, not mm-hmm. one or two, not me hanging out with Alan, went out for dinner, and we took over a restaurant. Wow. That's cool. It was, it was insane. With Eric and, and all these people were there, and, and uh, you know, Mark Shuey was there. Uh, Frank, oh, I forgot, of course, very important. Frank Dukes was there and his fiance. Uh, yeah, we had just an amazing time. Alan uh, crashed my uh, couch last night. We went out and had some coffee and bagels this morning, which is really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was just a really, really fun time. Very cool. Awesome. And uh, coming up also at the Martial Arts History Museum is When May You Day. And uh, she's a wonderful Chinese martial artist, a wonderful internal artist. And uh, and I and I think that's gonna I think that's gonna uh, work really uh, it's gonna be really really cool, awesome. Now stay tuned, folks, because after our first segment, we still got to do our first segment before we get into our uh, special guests and interviews. After our first segment, we're gonna have four members of Team Sakura from the Shugyokan Dojo in Gardena, California. I think it's in Gardena, isn't it in Gardena? Shugyokan? Yeah. That's in Gardena. It's about on uh, yeah. half hour, 45 minutes south of me. Yeah. So, um, and uh, these four teenagers, their names are Yamila, Ivan, Araceli, and Sean. And they're going to be joining us a little bit later, probably at around 6.30 or so. And we're going to talk about their uh, training in Matsubayashi Ryu. Uh, karate and uh, their uh, tournament competition, their uh, their advice to other kids and other people about thinking like a champion for competition or in life. Um, and you know, even though they're teenagers, they're 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 already seasoned tournament competitors. I mean, you know, when I was when I was their age, I you know, <laughs> I I, I would have had to like you know go through hell and high water to try and get as many tournaments as these kids put in. So you know that's pretty cool, and they know what it takes to train and think like a champion. So kids, if you're listening, um, you know stay tuned because you're you're gonna want to talk to these uh, great teenagers from Team Sakura. All right. So let's get moving with our first segment. So what do we got for birthdays? Well, my birthday is actually, uh, <laughs> you know, it's hard to describe these people. Uh, hmm. my, my first one, uh, February 22nd, goes to one of the BKF founders, Donnie Williams. Oh, cool. Great man, Bishop Williams. He's, he's a great martial artist. He's, he really has, has set his place in history. Another one, Michael B. Pasquale Jr. Right his on. birthday is also on the 22nd. Joyce Lynn Liu, which I was with last night at the Martial Arts History Museum, uh, her birthday is on February 25th. And you have a couple. Yeah, I have a couple. A uh, Colleen Escrima brother, Bobby Edmonds, his birthday is on the 25th. And a student of mine who moved out to Thailand to retire, Randall Collins. His birthday's on the 26th. Now, we know that there are a lot of people out there with a birthday for the week of February 22nd through the 28th. So for all the people we mentioned and for everyone else having a birthday this week, this tune is for you. Hey, 
Happy birthday, everyone. All right. Let's uh, get moving on with our announcements. So you already told us about Eric Lee Day, and I mentioned When May You Day. Um, any other events going on in your neck of the woods there in Burbank, Bob? Uh, well, we do have the uh, bar. Now, I don't have the fly, of course, in front of me. We do have the Bob and Barbara White tournament coming up next month, with, which oh, we're going right. to be broadcasting live from. That is the weekend. I don't have my calendar in front of me, but it's like the third weekend of the month, which is actually perfect because that is our brunch, our our brunch show day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the twenty second and twenty third will be the tournament plus our seminars. There's a banquet on Friday, the seminars on Saturday, and uh, the tournament on Sunday. So oh, cool. that's going to be really cool, and it and it benefits the Royal Kids Camp. Which is oh awesome! All, which is a great, great organization. Very cool, and uh, like Bob pointed out, we're going to be broadcasting live from that particular event, so that that'll be really fun. All right, and again, if you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, and later on, we're going to have four members of Team Sakura of the Shugyokan Dojo joining us. And uh, we'll talk to them about uh, their training in uh, Matsubayashi Ryu um, and tournament competition. Now, if you're calling in and on hold, we know you're there. So hang tight. We'll uh, take your call here in a little bit. All right. So I've got an announcement also. Um, It's about the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists. Um, Our annual training camp is in August, August 14th through the 17th. And even though it's like months and months away, we right now are looking for teachers to uh, to apply to teach at our camp. So um, you can actually uh, go to the application uh, or you can actually get information on how to apply to be a teacher trainer at uh, this year's training camp by going to PAMA.org, P-A-W-M-A dot org. And um, PAMA is the one of the oldest organizations for women's martial artists. And um, the organization was founded in 1978, I believe. I could be off by five years, but 1978. And this was during a time where women in the martial arts was still a very rare thing. And if you were a woman in the martial arts, you had to prove yourself amongst the boys, so to speak. In fact, I've known people that uh, were told, oh, you're a woman, you can't get a black belt. Well, the founders of the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists were strong enough to overcome that and uh, felt that they needed a place where women could feel safe, learn from other women martial artists, and just come together for camaraderie and stuff. So this is one of the oldest organizations in the United States. So if you're a woman martial artist, 
check out PAMA.org. Um, if you're a new teacher or a seasoned teacher, consider applying to teach. Um, now, just because you apply, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will be picked. All the applications will go through the teacher selection committee, and we're going to be going through like a specific selection process and that ought to be fun, <laughs> considering I'm on the selection committee. <laughs> so anyway, deadline for the applications are the end of this month, February 28th, so get those applications in. All right. Um, I've also got another announcement um, about a workshop by Sifu Charles Shepard, actually. This is an extended workshop on the Yi Jin Jing um, exercise, um, and this exercise class is going to be between February 26th through April 2nd. So it's an extended workshop, more like a class in that sense. And I call it a workshop because um, it's only going to be going from that for that amount of time, okay? And uh, from February 26th through this uh, April 2nd, it'll be, the class will be 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And um, I guess you'd have to... Uh, find out uh, with Sifu Charles himself as to whether or not these classes are held every day or if these are held on certain days. But these classes are going to be held at Ascension Martial Arts at 748 Coleman Avenue, Suite A. And that's in San Jose, California, 95110. The class fee is $75, however, 65 for early sign-up um, up to one week prior to class start. Now, the Yi Jin Jing um, is a very old exercise. It's about 1,500 uh, years old. Um, and it's a it's considered uh, a classic exercise, and uh, was uh, apparently taught by Damo to the monks, the, to the Shaolin monks, to develop their strength and endurance for long hours of meditation. So this Yi Jin Jing um, is one of the bases and one of the foundations for Kung Fu as we know it, um, along with the uh, uh, the Eighteen Hands of Lohan exercise. Um, now, this class will cover the basics and include an, uh, a Yi Jin Jing workout to fortify what the student has learned. So that's it for that. So do you have any other announcements, Sifu Bob? No, ma'am. That's it. All right. Well, very cool. Well, I guess we can go on to health news. Um, now, before we get into health news, or when when I get into health news, I think uh, Sifu Bob is going to just go into the back office there and see who's holding on the line with us. So uh, don't freak out if you hear the show disappear. All right, let's go on to health news. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, all right. health tips. Okay, now a lot of times when we hear about health tips, you know, we we uh you know hear them from uh from bona fide scientific sources and um these are these are also bona fide but they're too wonky and strange to to be considered true. But they are. Okay, number 1, you want to have a better nap? Drink coffee. That's right. In a Japanese study that examined how to make the most of a nap, People who took a coffee nap, quote-unquote, consuming about 200 milligrams of caffeine, the amount in one or two cups of coffee, and then immediately taking a 20-minute rest, felt more alert and performed better on computer tests than those who only took a nap. Now, you're probably shaking your head going, now, how the heck does this work? Well, here's how. A 20-minute nap ends just as the caffeine really kicks in and clears the brain of a molecule called adenosine. 
which maximizes alertness. Adenosine is a byproduct of wakefulness and activity, says Alan Taufig, MD, a medical director of New York Neurology and Sleep Medicine. As adenosine levels increase, we become more fatigued. Napping clears out the adenosine, and when combined with caffeine, which is an adenosine blocker, further reduces its effects and amplifies the effects of the nap. <clears throat> Go figure. All right. Next one. For healthy teeth, don't brush immediately after eating. Now, I was brought up knowing that, oh, hey, you got to go brush your teeth after you eat. Well, according to this, you don't have to. Now, don't brush your teeth immediately after meals and drinks, especially if what you ate or drank was acidic. Now, acidic foods like citrus fruits, sports drinks, tomatoes, soda, and that includes both diet and regular, can soften tooth enamel and make your tooth enamel like wet sandstone. And this information comes from Howard R. Gamble, uh, an immediate past president of the Academy of General Dentistry. <laughs> I kind of have to laugh at that, folks. I'm sorry. But it says immediate past president. Uh, past president. How can you be an immediate past president? <laughs> anyway, all right. So brushing your teeth when your uh, tooth enamel is like wet sandstone um, can speed up the acid's effect on your enamel and actually erode the layer underneath. Now, Dr. Gamble suggests waiting about 30 to 60 minutes before actually brushing. So there's an excuse to not brush your teeth immediately after eating. All right. Uh, number three, last but not least, drink a hot beverage to cool off during a hot summer day or cooling off after a workout. Now, some of us already know how that works, if not many of us. Um, now, if you were given a choice, you know, which would cool you off faster on a summer day, iced coffee or hot? Well, two a recent beer. studies. Yeah, a beer. <laughs> <laughs> two recent studies say the latter. Um, to do to, and so do other cultures like India, Japan, and China. Um, they believe that drinking hot tea in hot weather is the norm. And in India, they do it a lot. They have chai tea and other type of, types of spiced tea over there. And the reason why it works is when you sip a hot beverage, your body senses the change in temperature and increases your sweat production. Then, as the sweat evaporates from your skin, you call it cool off naturally. Now, you're probably wondering, well, I'm sweating already because it's hot. Okay. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a, like an outside sweat. Okay. When you actually drink the tea, your insides actually go, hey, you know, what's going on? We're running a fever in a way, so to speak, or it, you trick your brain into thinking that you're too hot. And so it really tries to regulate. So that's why, you know, if you have a fever, when you feel the chills, right, it's your body trying to regulate itself, right? So you're sweating and then you feel chilly, that kind of thing. And anyway, <clears throat> so that's, that's how that works. All right. Well, that's that's it for my health news. Let's move on to weird news. All right. What do we got for weird news? Well, Stamford, Connecticut. A man who was unhappy with his haircut faces criminal charges after police say he became enraged and threw items around a Connecticut salon. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I am a little bit old-fashioned. 
men should not go to a place that has the word salon in it. Oh, geez, you are old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. Scissors, it better have a, a <laughs> but it should have r- red and white pole outside that spins. <laughs> I haven't I'm seen a barber barber in forever. One of my students is a barber, and he's the only barber I know. That's that's weird. Well, Stanford Police Sergeant Kelly Conley says 47-year-old man Alan Becker was angered further when he learned the trim he got Wednesday morning was going to cost him 50 bucks. Whoa. There's another problem bucks. I have. Well, I, I got a problem with that, too. 50 bucks for just a trim? Give me a break. For just a trim. <laughs> Conley says Becker kicked a hole in the salon wall, became hostile towards staff and customers, and threw a candle display and other items, then left. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) This guy was, like, out of control. Uh, Police say Becker returned later and demanded his hair be fixed, but the salon refused. Authorities later arrested Becker on on breach of peace and criminal mischief charges at his Stanford home. A recording on a phone listing listing for Becker said he couldn't receive new messages. It's not clear if he has a lawyer. Can you imagine? Uh, I mean, the so guy did didn't he... just get a bad haircut. He got ripped right. off. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to ask, was it that the haircut really sucked or was that it was just 50 bucks for like a snip and a snip, you know, because it's like, I'm sorry. I think that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, then then it's not a trim anymore. Someone like completely like hack, hack job his head. And it, yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be upset too, but not to the point of being thrown in jail and assaulting the staff. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> That is, that's it. And that is my weird news for the week. All right, entertainment news. What do we got, Bob? Well, you know, last year I celebrated my 29th wedding anniversary. and I thought you said last year, are, last month. Last week. Last, last week. week. For, a minute, for a minute, I thought you said last year. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> no, last, last month. Okay. Uh and I'm sorry, I lost my place because, and this always happens when I'm on, on the phone with the show, somebody, some dumbbell calls in, calls me. <laughs> Not calls into the show, calls me on my cell phone. Oh, boy. And I think it was one of those automatic, te- automatic messages from my, pr- from my daughter's principal because I recognize the number. So anyway, you know, uh-huh. we were talking, you know, my 29th anniversary was, was last month. Or last, she's, mm-hmm. you've got me doing it now. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Last week. And, and, we, and you and I have talked. That's really a good thing. You know, especially being in L.A., Hollywood marriages don't last that long. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Well, here's, yeah. another, here's another tragedy to these statistics. Hillary okay. Duff, a childhood star, has oh. finally pulled the trigger on her marriage, filing for divorce from hubby. And it looks like Mike's wild night in Beverly Hills was the tipping point. She's calling this the final straw. Sources close to the couple tell TMZ it's not a coincidence Duff filed her documents a day after the Daily Mail 
reported Mike was drunken and propositioning women at Maestro's Steakhouse in Beverly Hills. Hillary, oh my God. who hired attorney Laura Wasser, cites the, un- the usual re- re- irreconcilable differences as the reason for divorce. She lists mm-hmm. the date of separation as January 2013. So they've already been separated for two years. They were only married in like 2010. Yeah, it was like it wasn't all that long. I didn't remember when, but it wasn't all that long. No, it wasn't. Uh, in the documents, wow. Hillary asked for primary custody, for primary physical custody of their son Luca, who turns three next month. She wants Mike to have visitation, but sources connected with the couple say she's concerned about his partying and drinking could adversely affect their child. The, gr- wow. the couple has a prenup, but neither spouse is struggling in the money department. Hillary wants her earnings and other stuff to remain her stuff. Hillary mm-hmm. and her NHL star husband were married in 2010, and when Hillary's when when they split, Hillary's mom Susan said they're better friends than a married couple. Since the split, they have been to, seen together from time to time. But now it's pretty clearly over and out. Oh, wow. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Well, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, if you're going to, what is it about people that think just because you're separated, even though you're still married on paper, that it's an excuse to go out, get drunk, and proposition women? I don't. Well, you notice it wasn't Hillary doing it. Yeah. It was a pro. It was a pro hockey player. Wow, that's so wild. Anyhow, uh, just another statistic in in Glamourland uh, relationships. That's that's sad to hear about Hillary. All right, well, let's move on then. Well, you know, folks, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't had the trivia question of the week in a long time. It's been like almost. I don't know, almost a year. <laughs> I think it has been, yeah. Yeah, it's been almost a year since we've had the trivia question of the week, and uh, I'd like to uh, start that up periodically. So um, the way this works is um, I'll ask a trivia question, and if you know the answer, you give us a call right here at the studio, 347-677-0699, or you get on our Blog Talk radio chat board. So if you're listening to the show on your computer, you're most likely um, on blogtalkradio.com. Um, don't try to listen to it on the Facebook link because you won't get a chat board. But if you uh, if you know the answer, give us a call again. 347-677-0699, or get on the chat board on our show marquee on Blog Talk Radio and type your answer there. The first person to call or chat board in with the correct answer gets to win a chance to be a guest co-host on our show. Sorry, no physical prizes because we're cheap like that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, you get to you get to be a guest co-host on the show and you get to choose who the guest is. Um and that's assuming that the guest you choose um agrees. Um and uh and stuff like that. So for example, if you're going to ask for Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, I know I'm not going to be able to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> right. Because that's tough. 
right? <laughs> so if you want a movie star, it's going to be kind of hard to do. But, you know, if you have a great friend in the martial arts that you'd like to uh, spotlight, um, or if you want to even suggest yourself, that's fine too. But you get to become a guest co-host with me and Bob, and uh, you'll have bragging rights about that. So there you go. All right. So here is the trivia question of the week. Now, it's been around for hundreds of years and is world famous because it moved. And it's still moving at the rate of one to two millimeters per year. And this has people worried. What is it? So I'll go ahead and say that again. Um, this thing is world famous because it moves. It is still moving at the rate of one or two millimeters per year, and this has people worried. What is it? So give us a call, 347-677-0699. I hear people typing on Google already. So <laughs> I've got my chat board up on Blog Talk Radio, so if you know the answer, go ahead and type it in. And uh, if we don't get an answer on our chat board before our guest come on a little bit later if any of our guests can answer it then one of them can be a guest co-host for a for an episode so anyway so that's the trivia question of the week (laughs) all right let's do this folks um let's go ahead and take a quick four minute break and when we come back we're going to be joined by four team members of Team Sakura of Shugyokan Dojo in Gardena, California. And uh, we'll talk to them about the Motsubaya Shiryu Karate. We'll talk about their their uh, relationship as team members and how they uh, interact with each other as a team, what their training is like, um, and how to think like a champion, whether inside or outside the dojo or the competition floor. All right, so don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first. And he was running after me and then he grabbed me by the hood and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Stop. Stop bullying. This is not cool. Hi, folks. This is Restita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout-out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo Show, Mr. Justin Harvey. 
Now, Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now, Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, if somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of the Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes. So what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Dukes. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamic dojo radio host at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our call-in number here is 347-677-0699. So if you'd like to speak with our guests a little bit later, feel free to give us a call. We also have a chat board on our Blog Talk Radio show marquee. Just scroll down a little bit underneath the marquee there and you'll you'll hit our uh, chat board. Well, so far on our chat board, there's no one that wanted to answer our trivia question. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) That bites. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring on um, each of our guests' mics up one at a time. Our guests are Yamila, Ivan, Araceli, and Sean of Team Sakura of Shugyokan Dojo. And I I see their numbers on my board, but I have to label them yet. So I'm going to pull each of the microphones up one by one. Um, Area code 8. Zero three area code eight zero three. Who's this? Hey, it's Ivan Morales from the Studio Con Dojo. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Really good. Awesome. I'm just labeling your line. And let's go to the next one. Now, there are two numbers here with area code three one zero. So it's area code three one zero. Last four numbers one nine six four. Who's this? This is Yamila Marcoux. Hi, Yamila. How are you? Good, and you? Really good. Thanks for joining us. Let me uh, label your line here real quick. All okay, right. All righty. And last but not least, I've got area code 310, last four digits. Oh, this microphone is not coming up right. Let's see here. Okay. 310, last four digits, 7619. Who's this? Araceli Diosdado. Oh, hi, Araceli. How are you? Good, good. How about you? Really good. All righty. So let's see. So that means we're missing. Are we missing Sean? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I guess we'll get started with uh, you guys. So, listeners, this is uh, Ivan and Yamila and Araceli, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from Sean. Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight uh, out of your busy schedule. So um, what we normally like to do here on the show is we like to talk to our guests a little bit about how they got started in martial arts. So, um because of the nature of this question, we'll have to go one by one. So we'll go ahead and start with Ivan. And Ivan, um, when did you get started at the Shugyokan, and what what attracted you to the dojo? Uh, well, I started in October of 2014, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I heard about them at a Gardena festival, and then I was pretty interested in them because... You know, it's a different style than I've trained before. Uh, mm-hmm. A while back in 2011, I uh, started in karate for Shotokan style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to California and started, wanted to bring up my karate again and mm-hmm. went to see about new places. And Sugar mm-hmm. seemed the best fit for me. Oh, cool. Awesome. Very cool. And let's take that same question to Yamila. Yamila, when did you get started at Shugyukan? I started at Shugyukan when I was seven years old. My mom was looking for a way to discipline me, and I just ended up really liking it. Oh, right on. Very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really like the way she said that. I know. <laughs> that mom I was, was looking for a way to discipline me? My mom was looking for ways me? to discipline me. <laughs> that that is awesome. That's that's awesome. Very cool. So seven years old, and if you don't mind me by asking, uh, how old are you now? I am eleven years old. I'm about to turn twelve. Wow. So yeah, that's that's some years. Very cool. Very cool. And you know, um, honestly, but what's funny with that mm-hmm. is she's so young. She's got to tell us she's about to turn twelve. When you're our age, mm-hmm. you never say how old you're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> You know, I'm turning yeah. 51 next month. Do you think I'm going to announce that? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let him scare you into into getting older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you'll, you'll get scared soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And uh, let's let's go ahead and take that same question over to Araceli. So Araceli, what uh, when did you start at Shugyokan? Um, I started at Shugyokan uh, 2011. Mhm. 2011. What? And I've always want I always wanted to join martial arts, but for some my parents would like ignore me when I was younger. The Shogyo Khan was the Shogyo Khan uh, is like a couple blocks down from my aunt's house until my mm-hmm. aunt uh, showed them a flyer. So we mm-hmm. went to go check it out, and I, as soon as I started the first day, I fell in love with that place. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, now, you sound very young. How old are you now? I'm 15. Right on. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I thought you were a lot younger than that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and th- th- that's a compliment when you get to be our age. <laughs> yeah, and, re- and really, I just turned 22. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob. <laughs> well, yeah, you should look I just got from my wife. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, um, now over over there um, at Sh- at Shogyokan Dojo, you guys study Matsubarashi Matsubayashi Ryu, and th- there might be a lot of people listening. Um, and I'm hoping there are kids listening because I, I I marketed this specifically to to teens and kids. There might be kids out there that have no idea um, where Matsubayashi Ryu falls within the karate systems. So, um, can one of you tell our listeners a little bit about where Matsubayashi comes in, you know, what the what style it falls under, um and stuff like that. So, um anybody, anybody raise your hand. Oh, I can't see you. <laughs> who who wants wow. to who wants to answer that question? Anybody? <laughs> okay, I'll pick one. How about Ivan? Ivan. What's uh what's Matsubayashi to you? Uh to me Matsubayashi is a great style of karate, which is different than what I've previously done. And mm-hmm. this Matsubayashi route really puts in a lot of body motion and techniques that make sense if you were to use it in real life, like mm-hmm. if you were like in a real fight or defending yourself. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And uh, so for for our kids out there that are listening, there are so many styles of karate. And, uh, you know, this is just one of them. If I remember correctly, Matsubayashi is a, um, is a, how should we say, is a form, is a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, kind of like a division or a form uh, within Shorinryu, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Am I, am I right or wrong? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're correct. Okay. Okay. Cool. Whew! Because I, I I know some I know some guys over here in Seattle that do shonen ryu, and uh, when uh, I heard that you guys did matsubayashi, I'm like, oh wait, I think I know where that comes from. So for the kids out there, you know, so many different styles, and shonen ryu is just one of them, alongside you know many other styles such as goju ryu and shotokan and all that, all those other styles. Very cool. Awesome. So I'm gonna. Take the mic over here to Bob. Bob, do you have uh, any questions for our guests? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, in school, like like if if you heard you heard the commercial about anti-bullying. How do you feel your martial arts has helped you in that aspect of of your schooling, dealing with bullies, uh, that sort of thing? Why don't we start with Ivan? Uh. Well, in martial arts, when I got into it, at first I was a little bit chunky, so I was I didn't feel that confident in involving myself with any sort of fights or anything. And uh, now that I'm more experienced and have confidence in my ability to defend myself, I'm a little more confident walking around and not being afraid to meet new people, even though they may look a little bit not so nice. I'll just go mm-hmm. up and talk to them and see what they're all about. Then if they're cool, then they're, we're cool. If not, then mm-hmm. just don't talk to them again. Oh, mm-hmm. very cool. What about you, Emilia? Um, when I first started karate, I told my friends, and I guess that sort of scared them, so I never really felt afraid <laughs> of school. So I'm very open about my feelings to people, like being happy with them. So I'm with karate, it just helps.
myself because I know if I get in trouble, I'll be able to protect myself, if anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. very cool. What about you, Araceli? Well, um, martial arts definitely builds your confidence. Um I'm not I'm very I'm very short compared to the kids my age. So that was another thing. Like it definitely builds up your confidence knowing that um if anything I know how to defend myself. Mhm. Oh, uh, very cool. Very cool. You know, you know Rusty has the same problem. What, being short? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. heard the short one, and you knew I couldn't pass that by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and I, you and me, Arcelli, we got to stick together as short gals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I want to ask everybody also, within every martial artist's journey, let's say, you go through a uh, a period of struggling. During mm-hmm. your studies, was there anything you felt that you had a really struggle with, whether it be a a special technique, or life in general, or your class. We're going to start with Ivan again. That I struggle with, that I feel like I haven't got close to perfection yet, is my Nikawashi dots. Every time that oh, I perform yeah. it in a kata, I always see myself lopsided, and I just keep trying to make myself look like as if I'm a straight line, but mm-hmm. I always end up seeing myself a little bit leaning toward my right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a that's a hard one. In fact, you know, now that you mentioned Nekalashi Dachi, I was I was actually showing my wushu class how to do empty stance, which is what we call it in wushu, right? And uh, you know, it it's either that they're not sitting in the stance, or they're leaning left, or leaning right, or they're leaning backwards, or leaning too far forward, and it's it's tough. And I had the same struggle. Ivan, I, I had a tendency to lean a little, depending on which leg, I always had a tendency to lean toward the opposite side, right? Most people, if you, you know, if you're, you know, sitting on the right leg, most people will lean to the right. Well, I leaned yeah. to the left, which meant that my butt was like all wonky and going in some other, you know, some other place somewhere. And my sensei was like, what's what's going on with this? How do we fix this? And, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. And you'll get there. You'll get there, definitely. But kudos okay, to you what about, working what, on what, it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and to look at yourself, they, they don't understand. A lot of practitioners don't understand about practicing. They think it's okay to do, do, go to the dojo, do their techniques only at the dojo, and not worry about right. them later. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. you're doing them in the mirror, and you're examining yourself or doing them at class in the mirror. Now, same quest for you, Amelia. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Yami- Sorry, I- Yamila. I'm going to have to correct them. It's Yamila. <laughs> Didn't I say that? It's Yamilia. Oh, oops. It's yeah. Many people at my school called me that on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> so what about That's you? Right. What struggles with martial arts have you had? Um, I've had troubles when I was learning or performing Kusanku at tournaments. When the jumps we were doing, I always ended up off balance. And when I was at the Nikkei Games, I felt mm-hmm. so off balance I nearly fell. So that really lowered oh. my And But now I am getting better at it because I'm practicing more on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a tough jump in Kusanku. Mm-hmm. It's a... Holy moly! I like 
I think the the one <laughs> I still can't do it very well. I keep like kneeing myself in the chin sometimes, and <laughs> when I land, it's tough. That one. Yeah, when you go thunk and you go, oh hey, maybe I should keep my teeth shut. But um, yeah, that's that's okay. tough. And well, that that kata is <laughs> that kata is tough anyway. You know, for what's your rank? Are you like Sankyu, Nikyu? Uh, you're brown belt, right, Yamila? Um, I might get my Shodanho near this year. Wow, cool. Really? Very cool. Hey, wow. hey Prince, if you're, li- if you're listening, Prince, I want to be invited to her Shodan. <laughs> I'll tell my yeah. sensei. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get invited, too. I don't know if I'd be able to make it, but <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What about you, Araceli? I definitely struggled with the uh, Naihanchi Sandan Kata. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one, too. I thought that one was very tough, but I think every martial artist goes through goes through struggling with the technique. It just takes practice and dedication. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Now, do do all of you feel that, like, um, another type of struggle is the practice, you know, because, like, I, you know, I remember when I was your guys' age, you know, there were days where I just didn't want to practice. And it's not that I yeah. didn't love karate, but there were days where I just wanted to, like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to class. I don't want to, I just want to just, you know, chill. I just don't want to practice. Um, you feel, do you guys feel like that's a struggle sometimes also? I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, and you know, well, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know what? That's okay. You know, that's completely okay. You know, I want the, all the kids out there to know that you know, you know, if you love karate, if you love martial arts, it's not going to like destroy your love at times where your body just says, yeah, you know, I don't want to, and you get, and and then you feel guilty, right? You feel guilty for not wanting to practice, right? And then that that really like sits there and, and like you know gnaws at you and that that's tough you know and I, I still to this day go through that so that's a that's a big struggle. What about you, Bob? You ever get to that? You ever have those days where you're just like, oh no, I don't want it. <laughs> well, I, you know I've had those days, but you know the the thing that bothers me. You kids are going to run into it if you haven't run into it yet. You, you're going to reach a point where you peak. Right. And you don't feel like there's any you have nothing left to give. Not mm-hmm. not peak at your doing your best. You're gonna hit a plateau where you're not gonna get any better. But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden your leaps and bounds, you just explode. It's gonna be mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. You, you you might hit a technique that you haven't been able to do ever and you've been doing it five, six years already. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you get it. As an instructor, that was my favorite point. When I did, uh, uh, when somebody was struggling with a technique and all of a sudden it clicks, mm-hmm. that that was huh? I feel the same way because sometimes when I help the class, when someone finally gets it, it feels so nice to help them accomplish something that they weren't able to do before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Now, all of you are senpai. Now, do all of you um, assist with the classes there at the dojo? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, sometimes 
what it takes is a senpai as opposed to, you know, a nidan, a sandan, or a godan. Because, um, you know, especially with the kids' class, because, you know, let's face it, you, know, you guys, the, you know, they see you as, uh, the other kids see you as peers, and you guys know how to explain things a little differently than, like, let's say people our age would, you know, and uh, kids' classes need that. They need the senpais that are their peers, and uh, kudos to you guys for, for helping out with classes. That's that's awesome. Now, Actually, you yesterday. guys, oh, go ahead. Uh, yesterday, my sensei had to had some business to do, so I taught the class. Mm-hmm. Wow, cool. Well, good. Was it a was it the teen class or was it an adult class? The adult class. Very oh, cool. Oh, then I have a question for you. That is that's yeah. amazing. Actually, that is very cool. Yeah. But how do you get treated by the adults as a senpai rather than your your own age group? That was my question too. <laughs> well, the adults see me as their peers still, but they have respect for me because they know I'm able to teach them something. But the kids my age, they're not as respectful because they feel mm-hmm. that I'm just like their friends, so they right. don't really pay attention much. <laughs> well, you know, Sifu, Ru- Ru- Rusty, and I come up as old school. As an instructor, when we were walking around and we were just respected by any of the uh, adult males, I'd do a cup check. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't... I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I ever pulled the cup check thing. I just kind of, I, I would just kind of calmly say, "Well, I'm wearing the black belt, and you're wearing the orange belt." So, see, well, mine, mine wasn't much different. I'm wearing the black belt. Let me check and see if you're wearing a cup. <laughs> It's a, but you know what? That's that that's that's really cool that that the adults were very respectful. It's because you know they understand that your rank is be is there because you earned it and that you have the knowledge to go with it, right? Um, I went through the same thing. You know, a lot of the kids never really listened to it very much because I was you know fifteen. I was you know just some kid, right? Um, and there were a few adults in the adult classes that would refuse to drop for push-ups because a kid gave them push-ups. But, you know, if you're going to talk back to a black belt, an adult black belt, and they drop you for push-ups, you'll do them. Well, why won't you do them for me? And that's kind of, that that kind of like messed with me for a little bit, you know? Um and then all of a sudden I turned, like, you know, three years later I turned 18 and all of a sudden, you know, they're not questioning me. And I went, really? You have to wait till I'm 18? I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> right. You know? So, but I do wow. hear a point about the kids thinking they're more friends than student-teacher. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But I, I didn't think that the adults would be would be as respectful as they seem to be, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. mind asking, how long have you guys been doing karate? Oh, how about you start? <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't hear her. What did she say? She wanted to know how long we've been doing karate or martial arts in general. Well, let's see. Uh, 
almost four times as long as you've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, uh, we had to pull out the stone tablets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our certificates are actually chiseled on stone uh, with a picture of a Tyrannosaurus Rex on it. <laughs> actually, I, I I started in a in a taekwondo when I was ten years old, and I'm just about fifty one. Wow! Oh man, you know you just did what everybody else does when I tell them that. Wow! <laughs> it's I mean it's uh, that's impressive. That's forty something years. I mean you know, <laughs> and um. I started. Oh, your, I oh, your turn. Yeah, I know. Oh, God, here we go. Um, I technically started in 1973, but but I don't count between 1973 and 1978 because I was like only seven and I wasn't very serious, um, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, and that was uh, in like a drop-in, you know, Filipino martial arts class. But in 1978, I started um, wholeheartedly studying Wotokukan Karate here in Seattle. And uh, um, I've also gotten into Kajukenbo and Tai Chi and Wushu and um, all those other things. And uh, and uh, 1973 and it's 2015 now, or no, 1978. Remember, I don't count 1973. How many years is that? That's uh, almost. Years. Yeah, it's almost 37 40. years. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, we do, we, we do know who the math whiz is online. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the math whiz. No. <laughs> it's really cool how you got to experience so many different types of martial arts just rather than one. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a, it's it's not so much that we, you know, flitted around. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, definitely get your black belt in an art. And make sure that's your foundation. Never leave the foundation. Always remember your foundation and be true to it. Um, but there'll, you know, there'll come a point where you might want to go. Oh, you know, I, I kind of want to check out grappling. You know, okay, then go check out grappling. But I'm, you know, I'm a firm believer in get your black belt somewhere first and be true to that foundation mm-hmm. forever. Basically, know where your roots are. Wouldn't you agree, Bob? Oh, I, I, I totally agree. If I hadn't broken that rule. <laughs> <laughs> And Which not because rule? I fluttered around about getting a black belt in one arm. Oh. <laughs> and not oh, because yeah. I fluttered around, but because I had instructors that were Jeet Kune Do and Kali and Wing yeah. Chun and Okinawa Tech that already had several different black belts and certified mm-hmm. to teach all the arts. Mm-hmm. So I got the experience of multiple cultural martial arts under a few instructors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty. And that's pretty cool, Bob. That is, and definitely, you know, I, I, I hope you guys stick with it, you know, lifelong, you know, because, you know, uh, you can go out of karate, but, you know, believe me, you know, uh, karate will never go out of you. So <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds um, so cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is like that. Because, you know, when I got into, like, even when I got into kung fu and learned softer arts, the, the, the foundation of karate is, is, is still a backbone for me, and, and that influence influences everything that I do now. Um, even in Tai Chi, you know, there's a, I can still be soft yet like hard on the inside, you know, like uh, karate is supposed to be. And and it'll you guys will just 
you guys will grow by leaps and bounds with it. And I'm, I'm sure your sensei is really proud of you guys. He, you know, I've heard a lot about you guys already. And uh, I'm just really excited to have you guys on. Now, Oh, me, uh, me too. Yeah. Thank now, you, you for guys having us. Oh, you're very welcome. You guys have been doing karate for like quite a while now. Now, did you did you guys uh, find that tournament competition, did it, did it seem like a natural course in your guys' training or – or and the reason why I ask is that some people choose not to compete ever. Some people will be able to get up to Shodan, Nidan, Sandan without going to one tournament, or you yeah. know they might choose not to, to compete. Now, did you guys find it was natural, a natural progression for you guys to to try tournaments? Yeah. Let's start. Let's start with Ivan. What got what got you interested in tournaments, Ivan? Uh, at my old dojo in South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. They were kind of like a competition school, yet traditional at the same time. So they would showcase like, oh, we have a tournament coming up this day. And the senseis would think that you should be a little ready to start. They'll Mm -hmm. encourage you more and introduce you a little more techniques and stuff. So then I finally uh, did my first tournament in uh, the SE Open of 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't win anything, but, you know, I took home what, how I fought and how the other competitors fought and different things that I could use towards my next tournament. Then I think that's oh. what got me started to liking tournaments. Like, all right, yeah, I can use what I didn't use last time and see if it'll work this time. And if not, then I'll just try something else next time. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, what about you, Yamila? Did you find that tournament competition was a natural progression for you in your training? I feel that it was a natural progression for me because I was rather competitive. I have been in multiple sports that we had to compete against each other. And Mm -hmm. it just so happened that our our (laughs) dojo, we went to different tournaments like the Nikkei Games at first for the beginners. And so Mm -hmm. that's how I started off. On the first tournament I've been to, I took home two bronze, and that is mostly because I feel that the other children that I went against, they had more um, practice mm-hmm. or more experience. So I just took from that and learned more. And the next year, I got silver and gold. Wow. Wow. Good for you. Wow. So your first tournament, you you won bronze. Your very first tournament. Wow, <laughs> it took me like it took me like I don't know like six tournaments before I even you know won a bronze. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> All right, and then how about you, Araceli? What um, got I you feel- into competition? I feel like it was natural progression <laughs> for me because when I first started, I went. Uh, I believe it was like three months after I started, I went to my first tournament at the Nikkei mm-hmm. game. I won um, silver. I won silver. Whoa. And after that, the very next year, we went to a international tournament, and I won two gold medals. I took, uh, There was no girls for my division, so I went against oh. the boys. I went against a boy, and I took him out in seven seconds. <laughs> wow. So you, do do, 
So you do do kumite. That was one of my other questions. Yeah. <laughs> we all do kumite. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> wow. Now, <laughs> now, when you mean took him out, you mean like he was out, out, or no, that, like you know, I, one, two, three, four. I won the, I won the match. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I know, she talked like she spoke like Susan Dollar. Well, I took him out in seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It, it is. It's kind of like okay, you know, especially if they stop time. You know, when they call points and stuff like that, unless it was, you know, like continuous. But even then, it's like, that's really cool. That's awesome. Now, that's you know, did you guys, yeah, do, do, you, do you guys find that um, tournament competition adds um, like a different, a different flavor, so to speak, to the challenge of learning martial arts? Certainly, because the commitment that you do is different from when you normally fight. I guess, mm-hmm. and also the kata with the timing and the techniques are different. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very cool. <clears throat> now, now I've got a couple questions. One: Have any has anybody online ever be ever been DQ'd for excessive contact? No. I haven't. No. Never. And then my next question is, if everybody answered no, is why not? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not advocating going out and knocking somebody out. <laughs> I just wanted to know. Uh, because there are a lot more restrictions on on Kumite fighters now than there were when we were kids. Mm-hmm. The, you know, no rocking the head. If it looks like it was excessive, you're given a warning, then point over the DQ. And we didn't have that. If there was blood... You got a pizza. That <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of what my dad would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, well, back then, that was when, like, um, headgear and um, headgear, footgear, and handgear were optional. Yeah, they were, they, they, they were, you know, what, what was the term I'm looking for? They weren't required? Yeah, they weren't required. Yeah, they weren't mandatory. You could wear them if you wanted to? <laughs> Yeah. Like to, well, see, when we were growing up, headgear and footgear and hand pads had just come on the planet. Yeah. Before that, it was bare knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Or taping like, your hands. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't seem very safe. It, well, <laughs> they didn't know, care. It, they yeah, they didn't care, and you know there was a there was a the the level of control was uh, of technique was a little bit different back then. You had to have the control to be able to do the what we call kiss contact, just barely touch and uh to to show the kime through your kiai, right? You know, just okay, I scored, you know, um <clears throat> whereas, you know, when the protective gear came out, um then everybody was like hitting hard to to make that point because People are thinking, oh, I've got headgear on. Oh, I've got, you know, I've, I've protected my knuckles. Now I can hit a little harder. And the, the contact really ramped up a little bit. But, you know, prior to that, you know, if you were in the dojo and you got, like, you know, kicked in the nose or something and started bleeding all over the dojo, it was, you know, no harm, no foul. Just, you know, work on your control. <laughs> you know? Um, nowadays, I think it's it should be a necessity um for for people at least under 18 i mean definitely you know protect yourself while you're learning and then leave it up to you know 
I look at it like leave it up to the adults, you know, if you're a black belt and you say, okay, you want to go, all right, let's go, but don't sue me afterwards, right, you know? Um, and, I, I, and Rusty, I, I honestly, I love the morons who don't wear a cup. <laughs> and that's their choice. They're their stupid. Choice. Well, their yeah. choice. I, I I was just having a, a discussion on Facebook a couple hours ago about one of my students not wanting to wear a cup for foot, uh, for uh, baseball. He says, you know, his mom goes, well, you know, you're you're, you're going to want to wear it in case you, you you know you fall wrong. You're going to want to wear one so you can have kids when you're grown up. And and uh, <laughs> the kids the kids said, mom. I'm playing baseball, and this is what I want to get good at. I'm not going to have time for kids. <laughs> oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, just so, wait till he turns like 14. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys are major tournament competitors. Forms, you know, kata, uh, kumite. What's it like tra- training and preparing for mm-hmm. your competitions, depending on where, where you're going and what you're doing? Ivan. Oh, for me, I always like to practice my katas at the dojo with intent to of me being at a tournament. So mm-hmm. I try to do my best at the dojo. And even at home, when I know there's going to be a major tournament, I'll try to add in some more practice time to my mm-hmm. katas and certain movements, especially like my nikawashi dots. Mm-hmm. And then... And then me and my dad will practice sometimes as well in our garage because he was in the military, so he knows how to fight a little bit, and he's helped me with my discipline. Mm-hmm. And we'll just go good rounds. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Who wants to go next? <clears throat> I thought you can go. There you go. <laughs> Spoken like a senpai. <laughs> uh, what was the question? I couldn't really hear. Oh, well, what do like for competition? What, what do you do to prepare yourself, practice-wise, emotional-wise, uh, mindset-wise, that sort of thing? I try to squeeze into my schedule as many um, as much time as I can to practice at the dojo. Mm-hmm. Um, my kata, work on my techniques. I make it seem like I'm already at the tournament to prepare myself mentally and physically. Oh, very cool. Next. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon as well. I try to get as much work in as possible also at the dojo, and I do practice like as if I'm in a tournament as well. Okay, now I have a question for all of you, and your parents are going to hate me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to word this very carefully, and Rusty knows where I'm going with this, because she does have some parents that go over the edge, and we know you you have a military father, Ivan. Tell me, each one of you, what are your parents like? Are they the supportive? Are they the the pushing, not, not pushy, because we know as parents we shouldn't be that way. But it is supportive. They drive you to the tournaments. You know, they pay for class. What's it like, Ivan, for you? Uh, for me, my parents are very supportive of my karate. They are all 
uh, all my family in fact always come to my tournaments and support me. My mom and dad drive me and they all give me encouragement and in the car sometimes we'll they'll be like, All right, Ivan, what's your jam to get you in the mood? And then I'm like, Oh, okay <laughs> and then I'll tell them what I what I feel and then they'll try to find the best to motivate me. Good. Good for them. Next Um I when I my parents are very supportive as well. They want me to try my best and if I do get anything less than gold, they will try to push me as hard as I can so the next time I'll be able to win the gold and not stand for anything less, I guess. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> And that was uh was that was that Yamila? Yeah, that was Yamila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Was that all three already, Bob? I lost no, track. No, not yet. There's one so left. We just need but I don't Anaceli, have right? in front of me. Yeah. yeah. Um my parents are very supportive. They um they don't they tell me that it's not a it's not a matter of winning or losing, it's the experience and just always to remember to have fun. Very cool, very cool, yeah. Now, like, um, <clears throat> um, you know, I know that in 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 your tournament uh, careers, I'll, I'll use that as a term, careers, so to speak. You know, there there are times where where you don't get the gold, and uh, you know, and it and for many people, it just pushes them to to move forward. Uh, but down deep inside, you know that there's a little bit of disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. So you know, I mean, how do you, how do you guys how do you guys handle that when you get like, you know, less than gold, like maybe fourth place? Has has anyone here ever like placed anything other than the top three? First off, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, how how do you guys how did you guys handle that? Disappointment. I mean, I know you learn from it, and that's a testament to your training and a testament to how your sensei teaches because it's a, it's a good way to look at things instead of getting down on the dumps. You know, you learn from it, but, you know, personally, you know, how do you handle the disappointment? It only motivates me to work harder. Mm. Mm-hmm. I take it home and accept that I lost and say congrats to the other competitors and real or not realize, but accept that they are better skilled than I am. And I'll go home, take it in, go right back to the dojo and keep on practicing to be better next time. That's an awesome mindset. That's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. What about you, Yamila? When I win anything less than the the top three, I look back onto what I was doing incorrectly. And so when I come back home, I ponder over it to see how I can make it better. And it, as well as Arcelli, I push to I push to make myself better when mm-hmm. the next time comes. Very cool. Now, do you guys primarily compete in, um, like, strictly karate, or do you guys compete in open tournaments as well? Open tournaments. Mm, okay. 
Because that's got to be that's got to be kind of uh, not weird, but that's got to be kind of like well, I guess I'll use the word weird for lack of a better term. Uh, is it do you guys do you guys find it kind of weird to be like maybe competing against maybe a kung fu person or a taekwondo person, knowing that the judges are are mixed as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It can yeah. be biased for our type of karate or martial arts. So I find that they vote for their own martial arts other than the ones that aren't, I guess. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And you know, it's 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 um I I had the same problem, right? Like I uh like if I was doing a soft form and uh, if there were a bunch of hard style judges in front of me, I was at a loss. I'm like, well, I really can't harden up this form without it not look and, and not make it, you know, look like a karate form, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of like, and if I do it like a karate form, it's not going to be kung fu anymore and, and vice versa. And I found it really hard. Um, and it's, you know, in a way it's 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 sad that, um, the judging sometimes can be biased, um, mm-hmm. but you know that's I guess that's something that uh, that's something to learn from. I guess you know it's uh, I guess the the one of the things that I learned and uh, and I'm sure you guys are learning also is that you know there's always something that you do that will appeal to every judge, and uh, mm-hmm. the trick is is finding out what that is. So, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, when you do kumite, they're more prone to vote for the one that's actually winning instead of when they do kata, and they don't really know what you're doing. So, it's yeah, easier. definitely. You know, sometimes oh, I think that sometimes I think tournament judges, especially for uh, uh, kumite, should at least be a nidan. And have at and have at least judged, you know, kata, you know, for three tournaments even before they think about judging kumite. That's just my thing, you know, uh, more of an experience thing. Because I've had, I've had black belts sitting on a judging board with black belts so new that they still stick out to the side, <laughs> and, and I'm like, really, I'm gonna. Do- <laughs> I'm going to do form in front of someone that literally got their black belt yesterday. You know what I mean? And that's not saying anything bad about them as a person, but, you know, it's, it's it, you know, I find that it's different to be in front of the judges as opposed to being in the judge's chair. And I think a, a fair and impartial non-biased judge should have a little bit of time in the chair before, you know, it, even if it's in in-house tournaments, before they judge at like um, regional tournaments or international tournaments. Well, I'm pretty sure in international tournaments they're not going to let some, you know, some new black belt in there. But you know, um, it's it's tough to find unbiased judges. It it really oh, is. Oh come on, but Rusty, how many times have you? I've been sitting at a tournament observing, and I have seen people from the from from the floor call up and say, "Do we have any black belts who'd like to be judges?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, are you kidding me with this? Because yeah. one, they're not in uniform, and I have a thing about not wearing a full uniform while judging. I have a thing against yeah. that. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Yeah. This is about the kids, and we're going off on our own tangent right now. Well, well, I mean, it 
about the kids because if a judge isn't wearing a uniform, then they're not giving the the competitors, whether they're kids or adults, the respect for the time that those kids are are, are you know there for. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm right. sorry if someone's going to be in your judging line, you guys. And they're wearing shorts and a tank top and a you know baseball cap worn backwards and flip flops. That's that's not. It's disrespectful to you guys. I don't care if they're a fifth degree black belt. You know that's disrespectful for to you guys because you guys put in the work for that event. And if there's going to be anyone judging, at least be in uniform. Um, I especially with kids kids divisions. It it. It uh, it pains me to see sometimes judges in shorts and a tank top. I mean, a suit is great, you know. Mm-hmm. I know in a lot of um, a lot of you know international tournaments, you, you got the judges' suit, you know, a suit, um, uniform, whatever style uniform that you wear. But wow, rat- ratty jeans and a baseball cap with grease stains on it. No, show those kids some respect. You know what I mean? That's right. <sighs> Yeah, so that was our now, tangent because yeah, we yes, want you guys to tangent. have the spotlight when it comes to when you're in the ring. That's your spotlight. It's your time, and I think the judges should recognize that. But anyway, go ahead, Bob. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, because you're young, we we tried to come up with some questions. They're they're more important because there is with martial arts there is a maturity uh, level, you know, uh, starting with Ivan. What does the phrase "thinking like a champion" mean to you? To me, thinking like a champion means yes, sir. To not be afraid to take on a challenge, nor to be mm. afraid to lose. And mm. even though you be a champion in the ring, within a sparring match or kata being respectful, you should also be a champion outside of the ring, such as in school or with family or friends, you know, like show the respect level to an adult that you would in a ring to a judge or another uh, competitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. What about you, Yamil? So thinking like a champion to me is being sportsmanlike to another or that you have or you show respect to the other. But you should be afraid to lose as well as Ivan said. And to be a champion is to hold the respect and honor from other people that you respect them as well. Very cool. What about you, Araceli? To me, thinking like a champion is not about winning lots of medals or anything. It's about be- it's about being dedicated, responsible, and humble. Wow! 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 I couldn't have, I, was... I couldn't have heard better stuff from you guys. I couldn't have heard better stuff from adults. I mean, that's no. I, I expected somebody <laughs> to say winning a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, well, but you know, nobody said that back there. Like that's not at all part of it, which is a great attitude to have. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's a, it's a, it's again, it's a, a testament to your guys's training. I mean, that that is budo right there. You know, yes. to have hey. that. Yeah, that's budo right there to have that 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 thinking and 
you know, it's I, I I shouldn't say it's rare, but it's 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 rare to to see that kind of maturity in in the arts, whether it's with kids or adults. Because frankly, you guys, you know, me and Sifu Bob see a lot of adults that that you know just think like four year olds. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, did any of you did any of you guys see the original Karate Kid with uh, Ralph Macchio? I've watched them all a couple good bit of time. Yes. Okay. Well, one time, now he wasn't a guest, but we had actually the bad sensei call our show once. Hmm. Yeah. He was a great guy, but he had this role to play. Now, that, I I hate to see senses like that, but they are out there that push Mm -hmm. and push and push and show no mercy, that kind of attitude. Obviously, Sensei Prince isn't doing that with you guys, which is a great attitude because I've I've seen it too often. It makes me sick. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. You know, in a, fact, didn't didn't we have Prince on our show last year, Rusty? Yeah, he was a he was a guest as part of our uh, Masters Hall of Fame series. Right. Right. Okay. I thought we yeah. had had him on last year. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, wow. I mean, you know. Testament to your guys' training. That's that's awesome. So now that our listeners know what that phrase "thinking like a champion" means to you, um, you guys are champions. Um, what you know, other than you know, still you know, being a good role model and stuff like that. Since you guys are champions, you know, what do you guys feel like? There's um, like an extra responsibility on your shoulders, you know, uh, to be role models for the rest of your, uh, for the rest of your Kohai at your dojo. Um, um, do you feel like, you know, is, you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you feel like there's, um, like a role to, not a role to play. How, how, how do I put this? So how, how are you guys being champions right now? Let's, let's take it a little bit more personally. <laughs> so let's start with Ivan. <laughs> What are you what, what, what are you doing now? At my dojo, uh, to mm-hmm. be a champion, I guess I like to interact with all the new students and try to make them not be afraid to speak with other people since they're new and don't know anybody. I try to like be the first person that they can communicate with in a way. Oh, cool! And I try to get them comfortable enough so where they can speak with everybody. And at school. Uh, I like to be friendly to everybody, including my teachers, and uh, I try my best to get all good grades, and I do stay up late sometimes doing homework. (laughs) Very cool. So you're you're being a champion all around. You're staying you're staying up on your schoolwork, which is cool. That that's definitely that's definitely a must, and uh, and you know sometimes kids just don't do that, and they don't even do martial arts. They can't even use martial arts as an excuse for not being able to do their homework. And you guys find the time to do it. That's awesome. What about you, Yamila? As How well are you being Ivan, a champion? As well as Ivan, I do also try to make people feel comfortable in new areas. When I first started middle school at my old school, I started to make friends by, like, saying hello to them. And then some of my friends now ask, how do you make friends? By just saying hi to them and say, hi, friend. And so I'm very, 
um, friendly to other people. And so, to me, I feel that I sort of help them get more comfortable. And at the dojo, I whoever is struggling in some areas, I try to help them as much as I can with the knowledge that my sensei has given me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, that's definitely being a champion. Um, now, Araceli's line had dropped, so maybe we'll we'll get to her when she calls back. Uh, her her phone line dropped for some reason, just boop, out of the blue. Maybe a maybe a bad uh, re- maybe some bad reception on her side. But Araceli, call back. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Now, for any of our listeners that are listening live with us, if you want to talk to these. Wonderful teens from Shugyokan Dojo. Give us a call, 347-677-0699. Whether you're a kid that's thinking about martial arts or even if you're already in martial arts um, and not yet a black belt, you know, definitely call in and talk to these uh, talk to these people. Adults, too. If you've got any questions for these teens, give us a call um, or hit us up on our chat board. All right, so we've got like... Uh, like a couple people on our chat board and nobody nobody asking any questions. Oh, you know what? Before I forget, since we have you guys on the line, um, I don't know if you guys heard our trivia question of the week, but if you did, does anyone know the answer? So can you repeat the trivia question? Sure. Um, let me go back and find it. Okay, question. It's been around for hundreds of years and is world famous, not only because of its being there, but because it moves. It is still moving at the rate of one to two millimeters per year, and this has some people worried. What is it? Is it the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Wow, you got it. (laughs) She didn't even hesitate. Way to go, Yamila. <laughs> I don't even think she Googled it. <laughs> it is. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa, with the ground that it sits on. Um, well, of course, it's going to shift, but uh, but it, uh, it's always shifting. That's why it leans. And, uh, you know, one to two millimeters every year, that's a lot for for a tower of that, that particular size, um, especially since it was, like, the tallest structure during that time so yeah the leaning tower of pisa you are our trivia question winner and uh, that means that you get to be a special guest co-host on a future episode and you get to choose a guest <laughs> like one of your classmates um you know one of your other sensei your sensei you can have anyone as the guest and you get to be an assistant co-host with me and sifu bob yay so you get another ta-da (laughs) (laughs) the leaning tower of pisa right on all right very cool so i'm not taking any more calls about that (laughs) all right very cool now um what I know that there's probably some kids listening. What advice would you all give 
to any other kids out there that might be interested in martial arts but are kind of on the fence um, or or even to the parents? You know, what would you tell kids and parents, you know, about what the true nature of martial arts is? Because there are parents out there that still think that martial arts teaches violence. You know, what would you tell these kids and parents? So let's start with Ivan. For the parents, if their sure. kid, if their kid it has shown interest in a sport such as martial arts or any type of other sport, I say mm-hmm. go for it and support them the whole way because that's something that they want to do. And I know I've been wanting to do karate since I was like five or seven, but I haven't been putting it till I was like twelve. So that I know has been something that I've been wanting to do for a while and it's a great feeling to do it now and for kids if you guys feel like you guys want to try something I mm-hmm. say to try it so because you don't want to live a life where you do something that where you don't do something and then regret it for not doing it later mm-hmm. definitely definitely that's a good way of putting it. And Yamila, what would what would you tell the parents or or kids about for the parents what are... and the children when they want to if when they first start karate? I know they might feel intimidated by the fighting or something involving the techniques and stuff. But I say you shouldn't be afraid because at the dojo it's a safe place. And so you wouldn't get hurt, and mm-hmm. it's a good way to learn something that you didn't know before. Right on. That's very true. Very cool. And I'm hoping parents take that to heart because, you know, like I said a little bit ago, many parents still think that it teaches violence, and unfortunately it's because of the movies. <laughs> they, you know, they see the movies and they go, oh, my gosh, you know, look, look at that. You know, it teaches violence. It teaches people to, to pull out a knife and defend themselves with that and and stuff like that. And, um, and I, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, parents can sometimes miss the big picture, um, especially if they're uninformed. And I think, you know, uh, and I know that all parents just want the best for their kids and want to keep them safe. And you know, but if they don't know that martial arts can be taught in a very safe and supporting manner, that you know, you know, I understand how parents can think that it teaches violence. But um, so that's really great advice to give the kids um, and the parents. Now we still don't have Araceli on the line. I I hope everything's okay. <laughs> but. Um, What's that? Maybe it's the rain. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Is it is it raining really hard over there? <laughs> Not anymore. I forgot that you oh. guys are in right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Seattle where it rains all the time, so I'm like, what? Rain? What's that? I mean, whatever. <laughs> but um, right. now, weapons. Weapons. What are your guys' favorite weapons? Ivan. Uh, we haven't really trained with weapons yet, but we're going to start. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy... Uh, wait, are these weapons for in the dojo or... In the dojo, yeah. Or otherwise. Uh, otherwise. <laughs> otherwise, uh, well, 
I have to like gun outside of the dojo because we oh, have right to go to the shooting range. But mm-hmm. for dojo wise, uh, probably the weapon that has the stick and then the blade mm-hmm. at the end at the tip of it. I, I don't. Oh, the naginata. Yeah, you're right. Naginata. Yeah. That's the that's a really cool and elegant weapon. I've been wanting to learn about Naginata um, a lot. And, you know, you're one of the very few guys that I know that are interested in it because it's considered to be a woman's weapon, quote unquote. Um, but it's a stick with a blade on the end. How can it be a just a woman's weapon? It's a cool weapon. <laughs> a bow with a blade? That's awesome. <laughs> How cool is that? Right? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And uh, what about you, Yamila? Do you have any weapons that you admire or would love to learn or anything? I would like to learn how to use the sword. I took a class once, and it seemed like a really cool art. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Now I, I kind of want to like rewind and go back to uh, go back to Ivan for a second. So you briefly mentioned that you actually go to the range, and and you shoot. And uh, I'm assuming that you go shooting with your dad. Yes, ma'am. Oh, right on. Very cool. So what 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 what, what do you shoot? Uh, right now I shoot pistols and mm-hmm. uh, M16. My dad's M16. Very cool. Right on. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's. <laughs> I look at shooting kind of like archery. I mean, it, it really builds really good focus, you know, um, you know, and, and respect, respect for the weapon. I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, any weapon in martial arts will, will, will instill that sense of respect for a weapon, but especially if you're dealing with firearms, you know, it's, uh, that's also a, a good testament to your training, you know, through your dad, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Now, are you taking classes in shooting, or or um, or is it primarily your dad that's that's uh, teaching you? All right, uh, my dad. He used to be a drill sergeant in the army, so he would deal with weapons and teach the soldiers. So he's just teaching mm-hmm. me what he taught them. And one thing that I instill from shooting guns in karate is mm-hmm. the focus, because shooting a gun for the first time was mm-hmm. pretty scary at the same time mm-hmm. because I've never shot one before. I've just been like, oh, cool gun. And mm-hmm. it puts it in a different mindset when you're trying to look through the sights and mm-hmm. still shoot at a moving target. Yeah. So that's definitely builds focus for me. Definitely. And confidence. Yeah. Confidence and 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 well, everything that you that you do in karate really can apply to shooting. Proper posture, stance, being calm, not you know mus- over muscling the gun and stuff like that. That's that's awesome. That's very cool because it you know I don't meet very many teenagers that that um, shoot response. Well, how do I put this? I don't meet very many uh, teenagers that shoot, right? Um, and I don't meet very many teenagers that that uh shoot responsibly and what i mean by that is is that you know sometimes i come across teenagers that you know think oh cool a gun and if i have a gun this is what i do with it you know all gangster and stuff like that and it's like really really you know then that doesn't tell me that they're going to be responsible 
So it's um, you know it's really refreshing to hear you hear you talk about that, and it's a, and it's great um, great training through your dad. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to take the mic over to Bob again. Sorry, Bob, I like hugged the mic there with for him. For what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she loves to throw me under the bus. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> That's what her job is right now, throw my butt clear under that bus. <laughs> I, I, have this, I have this tattoo on my forehead that says Greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let me ask you this. What what are what what is your vision now for the martial arts? What do you hope to gain from it, uh, competition wise, life wise? What what's what's the future hold for both of you? Tom broke up. Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that again? What what does the future hold for you, Ivan, uh, in your martial arts training? Do you, how far do you want to go with it? Where do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go worldwide? Do you want to? Become a sensei. Do you want to go to your fifth or sixth don ranking? What do you want to do with it? I'd like to go all the way with my karate training, and uh, where I'd want to get, I'd like to become a sensei. Like not a full time sensei, but definitely there to help anybody in need of assistance. Very cool. Awesome. Now, what about you? Um, yeah, I would love to go worldwide with the competition because I find it's a good way to explore as well as learn from tournaments that I've been to because I will be competing against world-known competitors that are may or may not be better than me in the future. So mm-hmm. it's a good experience. And I would also like to become I guess, as well as Ivan. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Now, would would you say that your parents have noticed a lot of um, changes for the for good, of course, while they've watched you grow up in the martial arts? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, because I find that it helps me in other sports as well. Because then I have more things that I can do. Be- mm-hmm. Like now I'm playing basketball, and it helps with my leg strength because of all the squats and stuff. Mhm. Very cool. What about you, Ivan? Do you, would you would you say that your parents have noticed a um, a lot of uh, great benefits while you were growing up in the martial arts? I'd say yes, because they've definitely notice how I've changed from being a little overweight to what I am now. I'm not mm-hmm. super muscular or anything, but I have lost a good bit of weight. And now they know how far I can go to do something so they can push me mm-hmm. more and know and in, inspire, I guess, or mm-hmm. pushing me to not give up in something that I want to try to do. And, Very uh, cool. Awesome. That's when I was a little chunky, I had uh, asthma problems. I had exercise-induced asthma. So mm. when I do any type of exercise, my breathing would, like, get me down and have, I'd run out of breath really quickly. And now I, I still have it, but it's a lot better. Mm. Very cool. 
No, I, I had a question that I, I had in the back of my head head from like an hour ago, and I forgot what it was, and I just <laughs> I just figured it out. This is going back to kumite. Okay. Um, now, when you guys do kumite, do you guys find that you use a specific strategy for the ring, or that you're just sparring like it happens to be? In the dojo, the only thing being different is that you get you win points and get a trophy. Do you guys like um, have a specific way that you approach kumite? So let's start with let's start with Yamila on this one. In tournaments, when I do kumite, I attack first, and so I go in straight away instead of when mm-hmm. I'm at the dojo when I'm sparring against um, lower ranks than me. I like mm-hmm. to wait for them to attack, and I just counter afterwards. So at mm-hmm. the tournaments, I am more aggressive than mm-hmm. what I would. Very cool. Awesome. What about you, Ivan? Do you approach Kumite a, a certain way? For the longest time, previously to recently, I've always approached it as more on the defensive side, and that's caused me to get attacked on in, in the ring uh mm-hmm. the same match. And recently when uh Araceli was sparring my dad was in the back, uh in in the bleachers sitting and cheering me not cheering but talking to me. And he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, pay attention to how she always goes and attacks first. So then mm-hmm. I was like, Okay, okay. So I kept looking at her and see how she uh how she would always attack first and not be scared to take a punch. So then mm-hmm. when I got called up I instilled that into my technique and I've never mm-hmm. used that before or attempted to do that before and mm-hmm. now that actually works because I, I've never gotten gold in Kumite until that tournament so mm-hmm. that felt good. Oh, cool. oh nice. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm trying to be a little more on the offensive side for when I compete. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I, I used to be cool. the same way when I was uh, when I was younger. I used to be more of a defensive player in in tournaments because I wanted to see how the other person attacked. But you know, depending on the person, they blitz in, and then I would like get run over, right? And it'd be like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> and my own senseis would say, hey, you know, Rustida, you should probably you should probably you know rumble on in first. And I'm like. Well, and it, it it is kind of it is kind of uh, uh, it was kind of foreign uh, at first, you know, like with you, you know, like defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I'm comfortable with that, right? I'm, I was more of a counter fighter back then, and uh, and uh, but it's true if you attack first, um, many times it like changes the mindset of the other person. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, now they're on the now they're on the defensive, and yeah, it kind of. Puts you uh, uh puts you at a slight advantage that way. So yeah, pretty cool. Awesome. Now, how do you guys feel when you actually go against when you actually have opponents that are your school, uh, your 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 that go to your martial arts school that are under the same style and the same sense? How do you guys handle that, Ivan? First, uh, I've never had to compete against another one of my dojo mates, but. Guessing if I were, I try my best to still try to beat them, but of course not injure them as much as I would with another opponent. Not 
purpose of us. <laughs> kind of like uh, yeah, lower we know down a bit, lower my skills. Yeah. Or not power. power. Yeah. Yeah, we know what you mean. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that that is like really cool. Uh what about you, Yamila? I've had to go against someone from my dojo twice, the same person. And uh three times actually and and so when I was attacking them I did the same like I would to other people because this is a competition and so I still think you should give it your all. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. afterwards if you do win, you should say good job and be polite and mm-hmm. not to both. Or if you did lose, you would still be sportsmanlike and congratulate them. Mm-hmm. Now, do, do you feel, though, since, since you've actually gone against somebody that has been your classmate, do you feel <laughs> there's really no difference than it is in the dojo when you spar? Uh, I do believe there is a difference because at the dojo you would take it more easy than you mm-hmm. would at the tournament. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so, you, so you don't spar in, in class like you fight in the tournaments? Um, not really, but when it is tournament season, we do do Shiai Kumite at the dojo, and so mm-hmm. we do at those classes, try like we would in a competition. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Now, for the for the kids out there, this is going to be our last question because we're running out of broadcast time right now, but for the kids that might be listening that are afraid of going into competition, because, you know, I know some of my kids were, um, afraid of going into competition, um, mainly because they had the incorrect mindset that if they went into competition, that they had to be good enough to win, right? Um, mm-hmm. How would you, what would you say to these kids that are afraid of going into competition, um, you know, because I'm a firm believer in that, you know, any kid in martial arts should compete at least once, just so they know what it's like. And they can choose not to after that. But, you know, for the kids that think that they have to be good enough to win gold and they're just afraid of losing, what would what would, what would you say to those kids? Uh, I would say to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of them may be like, oh, okay, whatever. But, you know, I wasn't afraid when I did my first tournament, even though I lost and a lot of the competitors were a lot better than me, even for a beginner's mm-hmm. division. Uh, I was still with my dojo mates, so they were all supportive, and we all had a good time. For first times, I'd say not try not to worry too much about mm-hmm. your tournament. Try to have conversation or, like, have fun with your dojo mates until they call your division numbers. And then after that, start feeling in the mode to compete and see yourself as a fighter and not someone who's not that mm-hmm. confident. Good advice. Wonderful. And Yamila, what advice would you give kids that are scared of the tournament circuit? If this is your first tournament, I feel that you shouldn't add so much pressure. The first one is always for the experience, I think. And mm-hmm. then once you more tournaments, you could put more pressure 
And then if you're scared of going into it, you should know that there are rules that they can, they have to follow. And if not, um, they will get penalized. And so you shouldn't be afraid of them attacking or hurting you. Mm-hmm. Wow, that Very is great advice. advice because that is up front with everybody's mindset. Oh, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to hurt them. They do have have even what they consider full contact now, which really isn't because there's still no rocking the head, certain things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, don't be afraid. Just get, get just do your best. You can't do any better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we are running to the top of our broadcast and wow i didn't i didn't know where the like the last 90 minutes went it went by pretty quick and i'm really bummed out yes, that Araceli's call like dropped and she hasn't come back on so you know maybe it was a bad connection or something but hopefully um they're still listening on their computers uh but ivan and yamila and Araceli, thank you so much for taking the yes. time out of your schedules to to be with us, and uh, a shout out to Sensei Prince Loeffler for for introducing us to to you guys. Um, I think he's listening somewhere <laughs> on his computer, on his oh, phone, yeah. or something like that. I'm pretty sure he's listening. And uh, you you guys gave some really great advice to kids and adults out there that are um, that that are still kind of on the fence about uh, tournaments, and but most importantly, how to think like a champion and uh, sharing your experiences with your training and and uh and competing and stuff like that so any last uh comments from you sifu bob no i thought it was a great show uh they're wise beyond their years with the advice mm-hmm. they gave our listeners very cool and yes me and sifu bob are looking forward to hearing when you guys go up for show don hole <laughs> yes that, that'll be very cool. Thank you so much again. And uh, when you see Araceli and Sean, um, you know, tell them that we missed Sean. Uh, we would have wanted to talk to him and that uh, we're really sorry that uh, Araceli's call didn't work out. So, yay. So thank you so much and keep training hard. And uh, we hope to hear from you guys again. And Yamila, I'll get a hold of you through Sensei uh Loffler about uh, you possibly coming on as a guest co-host and remember you can pick your guest so hopefully someone that is uh, accessible so you know don't ask for Jean-Claude Van Damme or anything like that (laughs) right yeah we can't get Jackie Chan sorry yeah we can't get Jackie Chan or Jet Li sorry all right. Thank you, Yamila. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Araceli. And we missed you at this one, Sean. Have a great night, you guys, okay? You too. Thank, thank All right. you. Thank, thank you. you thank you for Alrighty. having me. You're Marcelli welcome. And Yamila. Yeah. On this oh, you're so welcome. Have a great yeah, night. Thank you. And that Thank was uh, members from Team Shugyokan from, or sorry, Team Sakura. Sorry, Team Sakura, uh, team from the Shugyokan Dojo. I'm getting my teams all mixed up. <laughs> they, right. You know, those oh. were, they were great uh-huh. kids. That's just amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and I did forget it. I, I did forget to tell you one thing at the beginning of the show when I saw uh, uh, Cynthia Rothrock. I approached her last night and said, uh-huh. uh, you know, we've had everybody on the uh, 
on our show from the martial arts kid, except I don't know, there's one person. Oh yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll so hopefully be So we're going to contact her through James Wilson, and I'm going to shoot for three weeks because we're booked in two weeks, and uh, mm-hmm. she's booked for next week. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have Cynthia Rothrock on the show, listeners, in about a month, three weeks. So keep tuned in to the uh, Dynamic Dojo Facebook page uh, for announcements about that. Um, and also uh, keep an eye out on that page for who we're oh, going to have on next week. I don't think we can. Wait, who's who's on the... Okay, we've got the... Yeah, we've got Cynthia hopefully on the 15th, and then I'm going to be down in uh, Huntington Beach on the following week, on the uh, yeah. 22nd. Yeah. Yeah, so we Good. just need to Okay, firm we're, up. we're, we're yeah. rolling then. Yeah, we're rolling. We just need to find someone for March 1st, right? Is that what we right. needed to do? Yeah. That's it. Well, hopefully... Hopefully we'll hear from Yamila <laughs> about who she wants as a guest. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, awesome. That would be very so, cool. Yeah, so upcoming shows, it'll be great. Hopefully uh, one of Yamila's guests, a guest co-host, and uh, on March 8th, uh, we will have Sensei Jamie Zimron, uh, an Aikido sensei, who will be talking about her training in Aikido and also some international projects that um, she's involved in, um, especially one called Training Across Borders, how how to share martial arts uh, throughout the world. And then hopefully Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, we're rolling along. All right, folks, we will talk to everyone next week. Have a great night, everyone. Talk to you all next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.